Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Good evening. Welcome to our last 6pm live stream for now. Uh, Just while everyone's reopening and we'll have the 4 o'clock service, uh, this will be our last 6pm, but there will be something coming, so just stay tuned. There'll be something else that you will be able to join in the afternoon um, if you're able coming up soon enough. Uh, so tonight we're continuing to look at the book of James and talking about wisdom. Wisdom. How to get it, how to keep it, and how to harness it. Just kidding. That's not the title. It's just wisdom, whether it's gained or gifted. That was Daz's title from this morning about passion. Uh, but um, whether it's gifted or whether it's gained, what do we do with wisdom? Do we gain wisdom for ourselves or wisdom, is it something that is gifted? And as we look into the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, which is the book on wisdom, it's the quintessential book on wisdom, and, and not only for the Jews for whom that book was written, but really for the world. People will still refer to the book of Proverbs in self-help books, in various wisdom literature, they'll refer to the book of Proverbs. It purported to be written by a, a man called King Solomon, the majority of the wise sayings. And uh, King Solomon, you'll know him from former fame, um, as the guy who suggested to the two mums that he would um, split the baby in half, uh, the famous story that most of us know, where then one of the mums said, no, no, don't split the baby, she can have it, she can have it, and he knew that that was the real mum. Such a wise guy was he, and, um, and then, try, you know, it's been ripped off in various TV shows and whatnot. But in any case, Proverbs is a book that's written, and right at the start it says it's, it's all about wisdom and understanding. Wisdom and understanding, these two things went together, wisdom and understanding. And it says that if you'll read these wise sayings, then they'll lead to a disciplined and successful life. That in fact, um, it'll give you insight to the simple, it'll bring discernment and understanding even to the young. And so this book of wisdom written uh, to people with a bunch of wise sayings throughout it, Well, tonight we're going to look at how James took that concept of wisdom and then took it neck level and uh, and took it up a notch. Now, as we talked about last week, James was the half-brother of Jesus, um, same mum, different dad. And uh, and James was writing to all the Jews who had gone out um, everywhere and primarily Messianic Jews, that is Jews who had put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and now called themselves Christians. So he, had, he was writing a book to all of them to say, believers, this is how you should live. And uh, there's wisdom in it for people who don't believe in Jesus. But you've got to remember, even as you read it, it's primarily written to people who have put their trust in Jesus. And it's got three main themes. It's taking care of what comes out of your mouth. It's keeping your life separate in a way that God would want you to. And uh, it's treating everybody the same. They're the three major themes. And, and they're spelled out in chapter 1 and then unpacked in chapters 2 through 4. So if we go to the intro uh, passage on wisdom in James chapter 1, verse 5 to 8, we'll read that right now. And it says this. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all, to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable 
in all they do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I don't think there's a single person that's listening and joining tonight or later on down the track who doesn't want to grow in wisdom. And Lord, you say right here, right in this opening passage, that if anyone asks, that you'll give it. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll lift our faith and help us not to doubt and that we would ask right now for wisdom. Give us wisdom, we pray. Let us grow in wisdom and let us understand what true wisdom is in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, that scripture is such a, a wonderful scripture. I remember for a lot of our years as, mar- as a married couple, Daz and I really struggled financially. And it got to a point where I thought, why do we continually struggle financially? Why is it just always this week to week or week to a few days before the week kind of living? And I began to pray every day and I'd say, God, you promised wisdom. So I pray for financial wisdom. Will you give me financial wisdom? And the truth is that I believe that he did give me that wisdom that I needed to take next steps in our finances. But the wisdom that he talks about here, he says that that we can't ask and doubt because such a person is unstable in all that they do. What, what are they floating between? In order to be double-minded, you must be floating between two things. And I believe that we can look at what that person is floating between as we head into chapter 3 and the passage on wisdom tonight. So chapter 3 and verse 18, uh, 13 rather, says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? I don't know if you remembered, but at the start of the message, I said that these two things were inextricably linked, wisdom and understanding. The book of Proverbs is all about wisdom and understanding. In Deuteronomy, it talks about wisdom and understanding and and those two things going together. And James says here, well, who is wise and understanding among you? He says, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So just as last week, we talked about the fact that Faith without works is dead, that true faith leads to deeds. Here, James is saying that true wisdom leads to a certain kind of life, that there must be this outworking. And he said that that there's a humility that comes from wisdom. I don't know if you know someone humble, but it's a beautiful thing. When someone is truly humble, when, when someone has a reason to boast, but they don't, that's a really beautiful thing. But what this word humility is talking about, it's the word praotes, And it's the word used for meekness as well when it says that Jesus came in meekness and gentleness and meekness being one of the fruits of the Spirit. Meekness, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon this little child. It's a bedtime platitude. It's a bedtime prayer. And meek can, because I think it rhymes with weak, we kind of feel like meek is this, this kind of vanilla quality about a person. But in fact, meekness, praotes, means strength wrapped in gentleness, strength wrapped in gentleness. The word means that there's a right blend of force and reserve. There's a right blend going on there. It says that that there's no use of unnecessary harshness, but there's no abstinence from necessary force. So I, I get this kind of picture of a person who knows when to speak and when to keep silent, that they know when to call someone out, but when to have grace for a person. For instance, Rick Allerton, who is a tremendous man, a servant-hearted man, a good man, who is even behind the camera right now, but has generally been behind the camera from the moment that we had to go into COVID um, scenarios and trained everybody in how to use it and just was servant-hearted right from the jump, right the way through. Now, I imagine him now training everybody up on the camera. 
There'd be moments where he has to say to someone, that's not okay, that shot that you just used or that way that, they, that you showed up and you didn't serve with a servant heart, you came in late and, and it kind of mucked everyone up. There'd be times he needs to speak to some people, but then there'd be times that he'd need to have that grace-filled attitude. And the Bible says that that's the kind of person that this proautos is talking about, a wise person has that kind of thing going on. And if you work with somebody like that, they don't come in and blow up whenever they feel like it, but they kind of can gauge the situation. You know what a joy it is to be around that person. Contrast that with verse 14. It says this, But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Here's the thing about bitter envy and selfish ambition. At the end of the day, that's all about us. If we've got selfish ambition, obviously that's all about us. But really envy is also about us because we're looking at somebody else and we're jealous of them. And so we're comparing ourselves to them and we're saying, I should have what they've got. I should be in the position that they're in. I am better qualified. I am better skilled than that person. And it all comes back to me. And it says, if you've got that in your hearts, don't lie about it. And it says, don't boast over that person. Don't downgrade. And isn't that the truth? If you're jealous of somebody and you've got selfish ambition in your heart, then, then you can't help in your natural self but to pull down that person. You might hear somebody praise that person. They'll say, gee, that person was beautiful when they did X, Y, Z, weren't they? And you're like, oh, yeah, but you should have seen them the other day. That was, that, that was a different story. And, and we just subtly find ways to pull that person down and, and we might cloak it in, oh, you know, it doesn't really matter, it doesn't really bother me, but I did notice or whatever it might be. And we just pull that person down. We have this sense of false superiority over that person. And what it does is it leads to insincerity. It leads to uh, this, this downgrading of that person. It, it leads to boasting over and, and God saying, that's not cool, that is not wisdom. And don't lie about it, at least acknowledge that you've got it. Verse 15 it says such wisdom, that kind of wisdom, that doesn't come down from heaven. That is not the kind of wisdom that comes from heaven. That is a natural wisdom, it says. It's earthly, so it's natural. It's dependent on everything around us. It's depending on what we can see, what we can hear, what we can understand in our natural selves. It's depending on um, the knowledge of the, good, of, the, of the good and evil that we have in ourselves. It's dependent on all those earthly things. And then it says it's earthly, it's unspiritual, which that word means it's soulish. It's not coming from the spiritual side of ourselves. It's coming from the soul side of ourselves. And then it goes on and says, and it's demonic. It's earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's demonic. Well, those three are very different things, natural, soulish, and demonic. But I think there's a progression there. Natural is where it's dependent on our senses, what we see, what we hear, what we understand. And if we stay in that realm long enough, rather than lifting ourselves up and employing the wisdom that comes from above, then we head into a realm where we're actually we're just getting a bit soulish. It's all about what, what I want. It started out with what I observe and now it becomes what I want. And if we're not careful, then we can make an idol out of that, out of what we want. And any idolatry is demonic at its heart. So... That kind of wisdom has a slow fade that ends badly. Verse 16, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. 
I want you to think about this for a second. Think about your workplace. Think about your class at school. Think about the quad at school. Think about church. Think about all your circles, the communities that you're involved in, whether it's sports or wherever it might be, even your family. And wouldn't you say that where there's envy, where there's someone who's just flat out jealous of another person, or where there's selfish ambition, well, there you have disorder, and there you have these practices that are not glorifying God, and actually, they're they're evil. And I think that you can see that even in your workplace, if there's envy and selfish ambition going on. You can see that in the quad at school. You see, that kind of attitude of envy and selfish ambition, that can't be wisdom that comes from above, that has to be that natural wisdom, that soulish wisdom, that demonic wisdom, because it it takes me over the whole. I consider myself before I consider anybody else. And, And if you're married today, you know that if you're just caring about yourself or if your spouse is just caring about themselves or even if you're in a family and you've got a child that's just caring about themselves, that that is a microcosm of what the world looks like. Because it's stirring up strife, it's stirring up trouble, it's stirring up disorder. And it's saying that kind of wisdom, that natural wisdom isn't from above. But it goes on and contrasts it. It says, verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, because there's a wisdom that comes from heaven, there's a natural wisdom. And natural wisdom, I don't think there's anything wrong with natural wisdom. It's just based on what we see, what we hear, what we feel, what we observe. It's when it heads into that soulish realm where it becomes all about me or heads into that demonic realm. That's not cool. But there's natural wisdom, but there's a wisdom that comes from above and that's the wisdom that we want. There's a natural wisdom and, and, and Proverbs actually contains a whole lot of natural wisdom. It's like sowing and reaping. It's cause and consequence. But, but also it's got the God factor thrown in and that, that wisdom that comes from God as well. The fear of Lord is the beginning of wisdom and, and, some, and God sayings thrown in there as well. But there's also just a whole lot of natural wisdom and there's nothing wrong with natural wisdom. But it says the wisdom that is far better to have is the wisdom that comes from above. So I want to give you eight Ps tonight. Eight Ps from verse 17 of wisdom that comes from above. Here we go. Number one, it says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Pure. We're going to come back to pure because there's a whole lot in that pure word. And I want to finish with that tonight. So heading to the second one, it says peace loving in my Bible, but um, it is peace proclaiming peace. Number two, wisdom from above proclaims peace. The thing about peace in the Bible is that it's always proclaimed. It's almost a prayer. The thing about peace in the Bible is that the picture that it paints is that you are just on a king's journey and you are bringing the edict of peace. You are proclaiming the peace. It's why when Jesus sent out the disciples, he said, if they don't receive your peace, let it return to you and shake the dust off your feet. Peace is something that you proclaim. If you grew up in a traditional church, you'll know that there was a point in the service where you passed the peace, where you just said to each other, peace be with you, peace be with you. But the fact is that Jews right across history have said to each other that shalom, which is peace, and it speaks of wholeness in every area. And what they do is actually declare that over each other as a greeting. It's a beautiful thing. And peace is for us to proclaim. So if there's a wisdom that comes from above, it's to enable us to proclaim peace to other people, to speak wholeness into other people, to use our lips, our tongue, our mouth, our words to speak peace over people. So number three, it's pleasant. Pleasant. It says here, 
It's considerate. Wisdom that comes from above is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate. It's pleasant. This word means, um, the considerate word, it means that it's not being overly strict. That rather than going with the letter of the law and spelling out all the rules, that it's going to go with the spirit of the law and have individual conversations. It's pleasant. Number four, it's predisposed. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive. I'm using this word predisposed because submissive is inclined, already inclined it means, already inclined, already inclined to hear the case that's being stated, to not just rush in there with judgment, with black and whites, but to hear the case that is being stated before itself. So predisposed to listen. Number five, it's pardoning, full of mercy, it says in the Bible. Verse 17 says that wisdom that comes from heaven is full of mercy. So it's pardoning. It's looking for opportunities to give mercy and to let mercy triumph over judgment. To say that the covenant that we're a part of speaks of mercy rather than judgment. Number six, it's productive. It says it's full of mercy and full of good fruit. It's productive. That speaks of wisdom that originates with God and is empowered by God. It's a supernatural wisdom. It's a wisdom that is born in our hearts and it comes from God and it's born by God. It it bears fruit by God. Number seven, it's principled. It says here in the Bible that it's impartial. It's principled. That means there's no uncertainty around it. It's not going off the feel or the vibe or the outrage or the whatever it might be. It's not going off the external elements. It's going off what is certain. It's principled. It's saying it's impartial. It's not swayed by opinion. And finally, sincere. And so it's plain. There's no hypocrisy in it. It's plain. It's, it proclaims peace. It's pleasant. It's predisposed. It's pardoning. It's protective. It's principled. And it's plain. And it's also, as said there, it's pure. It's pure. What does that mean? Well, it says that it's uncontaminated. It's, it's, not, it's not sinning, pretty much. Because wisdom that says, I want to follow you, God, and then over here is doing whatever I want to do, that is not wisdom. And, and James is being really upfront. He's saying, if you want wisdom that comes from above, then what will that will outwork in your life is purity. He's saying that it's not going to be contaminated by wrongdoing. And so I want to encourage you, if there's an area of your life where you're like, yeah, actually, I'm just being a hypocrite in this area. And I'm saying one thing, but I'm doing another over here. You know that's not wisdom. You get the feeling of that, that that is not wisdom. And so remember that it's first of all pure. And so what I would say about that is to keep short accounts as it relates to what's going on in your life and in your heart. Keep short accounts. Keep short accounts with God because it says that the Bible says that he is the one who is advocating on our behalf if we do sin. It says that, you know, we don't need to sin, but if we do, that there's one who stood in our place and is advocating on our behalf. So keep short accounts with God. You confess that thing to God. You get that thing right with God, but also keep short accounts with people. Because we can't say that we have wisdom when we're over here saying that we profess God and we love God and we're bagging out everybody on this other side. Keep short accounts with God and short accounts with people. And the thing that I love about that thought, because, you know, when it says wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure, we can go, oh, that counts me out. Like, oh, I'm, I've got all my struggles. 
I love chapter one that James says when he introduces the topic. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. You see, this is the thing about God that we need to change our mindset around. God is not there waiting to find fault with us. He's not there looking for the bits that we've gotten wrong and ready to pounce on them. Now he's ready to empower us into a better way. He has grace for our struggle and power to live beyond it. He doesn't want us to wallow in it. He doesn't want us to sit in it and to say, too hard, can't get it done, nothing can be done. But he doesn't, nor does he want us to, um, to be condemned over it. It says he gives generously to all without finding fault. If you ask for wisdom, he will give it to you. And then it says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. I was thinking about what this means. And as we headed into the next chapter, we're expounded on what wisdom means. I wonder if what it means is alternating between natural wisdom and godly wisdom, wisdom from above and wisdom that is from earth. You'll know what I mean if you've ever had a struggle as it relates to decision making where you've gone to maybe a family gathering and you feel really convicted and propelled towards a certain course of action and you feel prompted by God on that. And maybe your family gets around you and says, that's stupid. What a ridiculous idea. What about this, this, this and this? And, and all of a sudden wisdom that is very natural comes in and, and you feel yourself being tossed and to and fro on the winds of, and waves of, of that opinion. So when we come and when, as it relates to wisdom, we can't constantly go between wisdom from above and natural wisdom. We need to be resolute about wisdom that comes from above. And wisdom that comes from above is found in the Word of God. And as, as we think about the Word of God, we can't kind of think to ourselves, well, well, you know what, the world is saying this, but the Word of God says this. We need to go, I'm deciding ahead of time before I even know what's in there, that what it says is the wisdom that I'm going to receive and not be tossed to and fro because then we won't actually get the wisdom that we're asking for. So finally, as we wrap up and we're about to continue the conversation now, I would ask you this. As we think about all those things, that wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure, it proclaims peace, it's pleasant, it's predisposed to hear somebody's case, not just make a judgment. It's pardoning. It always chooses mercy over judgment. It's productive. It originates with God and empowered by God. It's principled. There's no uncertainty in it. And it's plain. There isn't hypocrisy, hypocrisy in it. Is there something there that you're like, oh, that does not describe me? And if there is, I encourage you. I encourage you tonight. We're going to pray in just a moment. And I encourage you to ask God without doubting for the kind of wisdom that comes from above. And even as we look at this wisdom, this wisdom is less about us getting what we want and more about us bringing what he wants us to bring to the world. So I'm going to pray for that right now and then we'll head over and continue the conversation. Lord, I just ask that you would empower us with your wisdom. Lord, if any of these eight things we've kind of really stick out like a sore thumb and then we would say they don't describe us at all. Lord, would you come and help us with that thing? Would you come and shift our thinking, shift our mindset, shift our worldview around that and help us to see where we're getting it wrong and 
be committed to getting it right. Thank you for the new mercies that come every day and for a new opportunity to get these things right. Lord, we want to be those who exhibit and have inhabited in us wisdom from above. Lord, would you do that work in our life, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.